pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this time that we can gather, even in this way, to worship you. We pray that you would help our hearts to be um, near to you during this time, during these days. And uh, we pray that you would speak to us through this passage uh, so that our hearts would come alive and be instructed to follow after you. Uh, speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Uh, okay, so well, what I was saying that didn't come across is that I'm going to try to do these sermons without PowerPoint slides. So if you can have a Bible next to you and follow along with the verses, that would be helpful. just want to get rid of the slides so that we wouldn't be going back and forth and um, there'd be less distractions in that way. Um, I think this is a good time to be thinking about texts like these. You know, we're talking about the day of the Lord. The sermon is entitled The Day of the Lord. And uh, some people might point to things like this, right? The pandemic, uh, the tornadoes in the Midwest, the locusts in East Africa, if you read about that, and say, oh, look, like these things are telling us that the end is near. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that we need to sell our homes now and move to the mountains. But our current situation is revealing to us that we have uh, a certain, maybe a civilian mindset, that we need more of a, a soldier mindset, that we need to have a different mindset as we live as Christians in this world. Uh, that God's people should live with less of that vacation mindset, more of a wartime mindset. And uh, I think we see that through the circumstances that we're in in our lives today. And so we want to just kind of think about that through this text. And uh, I'm going to break this up into one, two, three parts. First, peace and security. Peace and security. Again, in verse one, it says, now concerning the times and seasons, uh, meaning when these things will happen. Well, there's no need to say anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So Paul is talking about something called the day of the Lord. In the previous chapter, he mentions that that's the day when the Lord himself will descend from heaven. So how will that happen? He says in verse two, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Jesus said that no one knows when that day will be. And along that same line, Paul here is saying that to many people, that day will come like a thief in the night. A thief does not announce his coming. A thief does not leave a note on your door saying, dear homeowner, I'm coming to rob you tonight. A thief comes unannounced. He arrives when you don't expect him. But after the thief comes and robs you, the homeowner is left regretting, you know. Had I known that a thief was going in to break into my house, I would have prepared for it, right? I would have done this and that. Maybe I would have made sure the doors were locked. Maybe I would have added some more locks. I would have hidden my valuables in my house. 
I would have done some things differently preparing for that. And that's the point. The day of the Lord will surprise some people. Some will be completely unprepared for the coming of the Lord. Now, why? Why will people be caught off guard? Verse 3 says, while people are saying there is peace and security. So people are saying there's peace and security because there are things in life that makes us feel like that, that makes us feel like there's peace and security in this world. For example, we like to do things like going to baseball games, enjoying ourselves, because there's so many forms of entertainment that we can experience and indulge in. We put money in the bank with the expectation that that money will grow because the economy is good. We make plans for our summer vacation because we expect the weather to be great at certain, in certain parts of the world during the summer. So there, there are so many of these pleasures that we get used to, and they make us feel secure, safe and secure about life. But he says, while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. While we feel like that, while we feel safe and secure in this world, he says, then destruction will come suddenly on the day of the Lord. And he uses labor pains to describe this. One minute, the woman is fine, and then the, the very next minute, everything is different. Labor pains. All of a sudden, everything you've been hoping in, everything that you've been building up in your life comes crumbling down. Unexpected coming of the Lord, like a thief in the night. I think our current situation should teach us that anything can happen. That there's no peace and security in this world. I mean, who would have thought, like, who would have thought that, that this would happen in America, right? That's really how we think. I mean, we're so safe. We're so protected. Maybe in some other countries, right, like a deadly virus in China or Africa, that's the kind of stuff that we hear about in the news, but not here, Certainly not here. That's how we think. And then look how we're living now. Peace and security in this world is like a rug, a rug that can be just pulled out from underneath you in an instant. This week, I saw the movie Outbreak on Netflix. Uh, it's a movie from the 90s about a deadly virus outbreak that's like a 100% kill rate. And um, so I saw the movie, and I bet I'm not the only one who did that. And it seems like these end-of-the-world movies, right, like uh, earthquakes and, um, you know, all these different ways that people can die. Like, it seems like these end-of-the-world movies are popular these days. I also saw this week a YouTube video about a guy who built an underground bunker in his backyard. Now, these things are in our minds because people don't feel secure and safe these days. But at the same time, the realities of a pandemic is still a theory to most of us. It's nearer than it's ever been before, but it's still bearably distant. It's still something on Netflix, something on YouTube, something on CNN that we read about. We're still thinking about 
possibly getting together with our friends for a barbecue. We just need to stand six feet apart. I mean, it's a little inconvenient, but it's still not really a life and death situation to most of us yet. And I think what Paul's doing here is trying to change that mindset for us. He's saying that Christians should not live with a peace and security mindset in this world. Paul is trying to describe the, the certainty of what's coming ahead in the future so that we can prepare and live in light of that certainty. The coming of the Lord. Don't get caught off guard. Don't let the coming of the Lord be like a, the coming of a thief in the night for you. And he's warning us with that to have that kind of mindset. Peace and security. Secondly, awake and sober. Awake and sober. Verse 4, but you, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Right? So, but you, brothers. So many people will be surprised by the coming of the Lord, but you, brothers, the true followers of Christ, he's saying to the Thessalonian church, should not think like that. Right? Should not live like that. Should not put your hope in this world like that. And then he uses three different analogies to make his point. Verse 5. For you are all children of light, children of the day, not of the night or of the darkness. So then let's not sleep as others do. Let's keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, drunk, drunk at, get drunk at night. Okay, so he uses the light and darkness comparison, sleep versus awake comparison, and then drunk versus sober comparison. Like if you're in darkness, you cannot see what's in front of you. Don't be in darkness. If you're asleep, then you're asleep. You're just oblivious to what's going on around you because you're asleep. Don't be asleep. If you're drunk, your mind, your senses are not working properly, don't be drunk. So don't live like people who are asleep or drunk at night in darkness. Rather, the opposite, be awake, be sober, be in the light. Um, here's an example of what he means. Peter, in his letter, uses the same words, awake and sober, in the verse that, you know, I'm sure you've heard, 1 Peter 5.8. He says, be sober-minded, that's the word sober, be watchful, that's the word awake, be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So this is the kind of mindset that Paul is talking about here to the Thessalonian church. If you're hiking in the mountains and someone tells you before you go on the hike, there are mountain lions here and there have been attacks very recently. Now, clearly, having that information will affect how you hike or how you don't hike. And that's exactly what this text is saying. But you, instead of looking for peace and security in this world, a peace and security that does not exist, be awake, be alert, be sober, be in the light. Walk as if you're on watch for that lion that's ready to devour you in this world because that is a reality, the spiritual reality of this world. Awake and sober. Thirdly, 
wartime mentality. Wartime mentality. Now, he describes in verse 8 a person who is awake and sober. Describes what that person looks like. In verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of, love, of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay, so a person who is not asleep, who is not drunk, who is not in darkness, a person who is awake, sober, in, in the light, has on them the spiritual protective armor of faith, love, and hope. A faith, love, and hope, they seem to be Paul's way of comprehensively describing a spiritually healthy person. For example, he mentions that earlier in this letter in chapter 1, verse 2, he says, We thank God always for all of you. Verse 3, Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's, he's describing this person, a person who is spiritually healthy, a person who is awake, who is sober, and this person who is like that demonstrates these characteristics of faith, love, and hope. So I think Paul's line of thought goes like this. Notice these are internal characteristics, right? Internal heart characteristics of faith, love, hope. They're not physical things. So I think his, his, his line of thought is like this. If you're seeking after peace and security in this world, then you'll do things like try to make a lot of money, buy a fortress of a house, and try to find peace and security through those kinds of things. And of course, that won't work. None of those things can protect you from a deadly virus. But if you want peace and security that comes from God, then build up your heart with the spiritual armor of faith, love, and hope. Be that kind of person who hopes in the right things, who trusts in the right things, who loves the right things, so that you can have peace and security that comes from God. I mean, we like to put, put on comfortable, comfortable clothes, lounge around in the living room. How many of you work from home in your pajamas? Uh, no? But he's saying, don't put on pajamas like you're about to go to sleep. You're acting like there's peace and safety when you're really living in a war zone. Put on the breastplate and helmet and be awake, be alert, because the reality is you're about to go into battle. You are in a war. So, so Paul's talking about a wartime mentality that Christians need to have in light of the day of the Lord. The present circumstances world the reality of, is this, the day of the Lord is coming, don't be caught off guard, live with the wartime mentality. Then he says in verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So Christ died for us, so that we can obtain salvation. So that whether we are awake or asleep, meaning whether we are physically dead or alive, we can have eternal life. That's what Christ accomplished for us. So now notice that verses 8 and 9 are related, right? 
Verse 9 is the destination, right? For God has not destined us for wrath, but he has destined us to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the destination. Verse 8 is the path. Let us be sober. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. Helmet, the hope of salvation. Be alert. Be sober. Put on the spiritual armor of God. In other words, God will get you there to the final destination. That's what Jesus died for. That's what Jesus accomplished. But you also have to walk there with your wartime mentality. Right? Verse, verse 8, be sober, put on the spiritual armor. Verse 9, for God has destined us to obtain salvation. So God will get you there, but you have to walk there with your wartime mentality. Be awake and sober in the light. Um, this is where Star Wars can help us to understand the Bible. Um, who is Ray? For a long time, we didn't know. And the bad guys in the movies kept saying, give in to your anger. Reign with me. This is your destiny. This is your destiny, so give in to the darkness. But then the force had other plans for her, right? And eventually she got to her destiny. And I think her destiny, who knows, right? I think the way the movie uh, intended, I think her destiny was set even from the beginning. But the process, in the process, she had to, she had to fight to get there. She had to have that wartime mentality. Uh, being awake and sober. Turning away from the dark side. And living in the light. That's exactly what, what Paul is saying here. God has destined us to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he will get you there. But that does not mean you live seeking peace and security in this world. Uh, verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Encourage one another with these words. Um, just uh, three, I just want to talk about three applications from this, from this passage. First is the Application about peace and the pursuit of peace and safety. The pursuit of peace and safety. What we're going through now with the coronavirus, I think is really a blessing from God because it is an opportunity to get deeper in our faith in God. We pursue peace and safety in this world all the time. There are many different ways that we pursue peace and safety in this world. But what good is peace and safety in this world if it's just a mirage? We talked about this recently about, right, about single people, how single people might feel insecure because I'm alone in this world. I don't have a significant other in this world. And then the person might get into a relationship or get married, and now they don't feel insecure anymore. 
Or it could be another person who never struggled with that kind of insecurity because they got married early and they don't feel insecure. Now, what good is feeling secure if that feeling happens to me because of a change in circumstance? What good is feeling secure if I'm really still insecure in my heart? But the change in circumstance is hiding it. Because something later on in life will happen and will expose that insecurity again if my security is not rooted in my faith in God. I think it's the same thing with this pandemic. How real is the peace and security I generally feel in my life if that security is because I have things like my health, I have a job, I have my loved ones safely around me, and because of those things, I feel safe and secure. And then we go on living our lives thinking, oh, like, of course, like I'm maturing in God, I'm secure in God. And then one day we die, like we're all going to die, we die. And then we realize that my life wasn't what it was supposed to be. And that's exactly what this text is saying. So this situation that we're in right now is really a blessing because it's an opportunity to really examine the basis of my faith. It's an opportunity to really examine in a way that I couldn't see it before and draw near to God. Um, Second application is uh, a thought, just thinking about wartime gospel. Wartime gospel. Uh, Here's what I mean. If I knew, like if... If someone came from the future and told me, and if I knew that America was going to go through a war in 10 years, right? War is coming. Not like, you know, the wars that we're kind of used to, but there will be like a World War III fought on American soil. And it's going to be terrible. It's going to flip your life around. Life will never be the same because there's going to be a real war coming in 10 years. Now, if someone told me that, and that was for sure going to happen, that for sure would change how I raise my kids. Uh, For example, much of their screen time will diminish, and screen time will change to Bible time. I would try to toughen them up, toughen them up on the inside, try to change, you know, whatever is soft and weak, to become tough and strong. I mean, there will still be lots of love, but probably a lot more tough love to prepare them for this season of their life that's coming. And that same principle applies to the church. If I knew, again, someone told me, that there's this, there's this worldwide persecution of Christians that's coming in the next 10 years, right? For sure, like someone came from the future and said, like, for sure this is going to happen in the next 10 years. That would probably influence how I would preach and pastor our church. 
along those same lines, trying to really strengthen us in certain ways. Um, you know, I was thinking like, in the Western church today, emphasizing the Christian's need to do our part and to work, right? Our need to work, a lot of times gets a bad rap these days. Um, the Bible says that justification is 100% God, 0% us. It's all, all God, salvation, all God, right? All because of what God does, Jesus does in the cross. But glorification, the growth process after justification, the Bible says, is 100% God, and 100% us, right? It's not 50-50, it's not 80-20. It's 100% God and 100% us, right? It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose, 100% God. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling, 100% us. Okay? So both, 100% God, 100% us. God is sovereignly at work, and also we are responsible for our growth. It works together. Now, these days, a lot of times in Western Christianity, if we emphasize, it's both 100% God, 100%, if we emphasize the 100% God part, right? So um, we're not saying like it's 80, 20 or something like that. Of course, everyone knows it's 100%, 100%. But if we emphasize the 100% God part, people will call that being gospel-centered. If we emphasize the 100% us part, Again, knowing it's 100% God, 100%, but if we emphasize 100% us part, then some people will probably call that a workspace ministry or workspace preaching. But again, if I knew that the people in our church would be going through persecution, then there will probably be, right, emphasis on the 100% God part. I, I, you have to always have that. But there will also be a heavy dose of, hey, it's 100% you being responsible to live the way that you need to. That we need to toughen up. That trusting God does not mean that we don't do anything. That we need to really have a wartime mentality. Stop being soft. Learn to wake up. Learn to pray. Learn to deny yourself. Learn to give yourself in uh, excruciatingly uncomfortable ways to the Lord. We need to be stronger, tougher. I shared this a couple of weeks ago about how Chipsanim, uh, who passed away, would push us to, to fast and pray. Those of us pastors that were there uh, learning during that time, how she would push us to fast and pray. I shared about that and how difficult fasting was when we had those fasting chains because it required so much self-denial. But, but she was trying to train us to have that wartime mentality. I remember she would sometimes share with us about how we need to be ready, how this generation needs to be ready for persecution in our lifetime. And uh, I was thinking about this in light of this text and in light of what's going on today. And, and I've known Chipsanim for, what, 30 years now? And I realized this for, in some ways for the first time this week because of what's going on today. Um, the aspects of the gospel, the aspects of the gospel that she tried to emphasize to me 
was because she was trying to train us and trying to prepare us with wartime mentality so that we wouldn't get killed in a war, so that we wouldn't give up in persecution. And it, it struck me, I realized that for the first time, the aspects of the gospel that's real, that's needed to survive in persecution. Things that we don't really think about commonly is what's needed if we're going to stand till the end. So we need to stop being soft. We probably, probably need to get more serious about what I'm responsible for in a gospel-centered life that is 100% God and 100% me. And we need to get to work in that sense with a wartime mindset. Third application, um, I want to kind of think through uh, racism now, racism toward Asians and how to handle that. Let me just take a deep breath right now before I talk about that. Because um, I think this is very relevant right now with what's going on. Did I take a deep breath yet? Take another deep breath. <laughs> okay, so um, sometimes, right, like when our kids fight, one of them will come to me saying, he hit me. Like my brother, he hit me. Now, how I handle that situation varies from one time to another, even if it's the exact same situation, Right? Like, you would think if it's the same situation, you would handle it the same way. That's not how I handle it. Even if it's the same situation occurring two different times, how I handle it varies. Sometimes I try to comfort and defend the one that's been hit, right? And so we go after the offender together, right? Don't do that. That's not right. You try to correct and things like that. Other times, I try to strengthen the one that's been hit. So to strengthen the one that's been hit, I purpose, purposely, even if he was legitimately offended, I purposely don't go after the offender. Right? And I talk to the one that has been hit. Okay, that happened. How are you going to handle it? Don't let things like that bother you. Even though it was wrong, don't let it bother you. Because he has to become stronger inside. I want him to learn how to even have a forgiving heart. Which might not happen if we're always seeking um, to even the wrong. Or make everything right in that sense. Because, so I try to handle it like that because my job as a parent is to prepare them for what they will face in life. And they will face all kinds of things in life. And that entails, of course, things like distinguishing what is right and wrong, standing up for what is right, but it also entails learning to forgive, learning how to suffer well. And I feel the same way, like that, that principle, I feel the same way towards 
our church. My job as a pastor is to prepare the people in our church for what is all kinds of things, what is ahead in life. It's true. Like it, certain, it's true that there's racism toward Asians right now. Christine, for example, does not completely feel comfortable when she goes to the grocery store because of what's happening, what we hear about in the news, and not only the news, the different things that people that we know are, are saying that happened to them. Um, I'm okay letting our boys go play in front of the house right now, but now I wouldn't let them go to the playground. I mean, aside from the stay-home order and that kind of stuff, but even without that, I wouldn't let them go to the, go to the park by themselves because... This is what exists right now in our world. So racism exists. It's not right. It's wrong. Our president didn't help the situation. He made things worse. All of those things are true. Those things exist. They happened. So now what? People are getting attacked these days. And of course, we see that we need to protect and defend others. Because that's, that's, that's what it means to love people. We need to stand up and protect and defend others. But when someone says something racist to me, now in that situation, my instinctive response to get angry at that person, I believe, is the wrong response. Because as a Christian, there has to be more than that. There has to be other stuff, other stuff that's, that's built up in my heart other than anger at injustice. It's very similar to what the Bible says, again, is coming for Christians. There will be a time when people will kill you for believing in Jesus. The Bible says that. And maybe before that kind of severe persecution comes, Maybe there will be a time to fight back as Christians. Oh, that's wrong. That's discrimination. Maybe we're in that time today. But at some point, there, we're going to move past that. There will be injustice against Christians, and that's just how it's going to be. So at that point, you have to either deny Jesus and say that you're not a Christian, or you have to learn how to suffer injustice well. That's the only way you're going to survive. You have to learn how to suffer injustice well. We have to learn to forgive those who sin against us. We have to learn to love our enemies. We have to learn to forgive the people who kill our family. We have to learn to be like Christ in those ways to survive and stand as a Christian till the end. So instead of, instead of focusing on that's wrong, my brother did this to me, that's wrong. I think we have to learn through circumstances like this how to build up other characteristics internal characteristics in my heart that will enable me to show these, these uh, attributes of Christ to this world because the Bible says times like that are coming.
and it's the people who will stand till the end that will demonstrate the glory of God to this world that will stand and be saved till the end. Let's pray together. Okay, so um, just, uh, just as Paul says in this passage, I just want to encourage you with these words. I think these are just a lot of uh, unsettling times, different things that we're going through, things that we never imagined we would go through in our lives, but we're still going through it. Probably going to go through it for a while. Uh, you know, if there is a, uh, you know, like a, there is a curve and then we're going to come down at the curve at some point, whenever we come out of this, uh, we want to come out better as better versions of who we are, who God intends for us to be than when we entered it. We want to be deeper in our relationship with God. We want to be serious about our faith. We want to love people more. We want to heed God's warning and call to be like Christ in these different ways. So, so uh even as you talk about these things as a small group, as you internalize it and talk about it, encourage one another and build one another up with these words. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you that Jesus accomplished salvation for us. We thank you for the call to trust in that, to hope in that, to hope in salvation and give 100% in our pursuit of Christ. And the guarantee, the promise that we have that you are using these things and these efforts to accomplish salvation in our lives. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can know and trust that you are sovereign over our lives. We thank you that in all circumstances you are working for the good of those who love you. We can trust in that promise and that you're accomplishing good purpose through all things to make us more like Christ, to exalt the name of Christ in this world. Um, so help us to go through this time well. Help us to have uh, not a vacation mindset, not a ci civilian mindset, soldier mindset, wartime mindset in light of the day of the Lord. Um, help us to love you today to trust in you, wear the armor of God. And build up faith in the opportunity that you give us today. So strengthen us even through this week, different things that we go through and as we uh, go through maybe some of the mundaneness, uh, loneliness, different things that can come through this. Pray that through all these circumstances you would draw us near. Help us to love you more. Strengthen your people. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his unchanging covenant love, the love of the Father God, and the fellowship and the strength, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.